The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with, uh, I'd like to say frequent guests, but not frequent enough guests, Nick Wakeman, Editor-in-Chief <laughs> of Washington Technology. Nick, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Mark. And yes, it is not frequent enough. We're sometimes like ships that pass in the night as far as trying to get these things scheduled. But I'm glad yeah. to be here. It's always good to talk to you. Yeah, it's it's always fun and uh I, I think informative and people don't know this. I, I wrote the first audit with uh, John Long for uh, Washington technology back in the, uh, in the nineties, uh, the circulation wow. audit. So, um, so my, my history with, uh, with WT goes back a ways and aside from having written for you now for 15 years, um, which is cool. And thank you, by the way. Uh, for oh, yeah. keep publishing my stuff. <laughs> so symbiosis occurs. Um, That's right. So uh, uh, what what's go, what's going on in the world of GovCon? What are the top stories from the past? Uh, what was that year? Twenty twenty three. I don't even remember. Anymore. Yeah. You know, twenty twenty three. I think you know there's several big things that come to mind. I mean, we had some big contract awards that came out, like the the uh, the VA. T4NG2 came out. Uh, M&A was very active. Uh, you know, at towards the end of the year, you know, we danced around with the shutdown and we're still kind of in the middle of all that. Um, but as far as like contract awards, the thing that really jumps out to me is the uh, the NIH uh, CIO SP4 <laughs> contract that, I mean, it's really I don't mean kind to of laugh, but... Yeah. Oh. You know, I follow a lot of protests, and I think there were 300-some protests filed. Now, some of those were companies filing more than once, but they just couldn't, and they still haven't resolved it, I don't think. I mean, they're starting to make, well, they've made the phase one, and now they're moving into phase two and three to make final awards. But but, but how many years has it been? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to say at least three I, I think it was say, in 2022 when it all sort of started falling apart. I, I think it it may go back further, but you know when when yeah. we have a contract that can't get out of the gate in three years, we're we're in deep kimchi, bud. Yeah, yeah, and and you know they, they've extended uh, CIOSP three a few yep. times, and so it's still <laughs> good for a few more months, but. I just wonder, you know, and this is something that nobody would talk about, but what's the impact on, you know, the, their government customers that use that vehicle? They've got to be looking at alternatives because you don't know if this thing's going to, you know, going to happen. I th- I mean, it's just, I don't know. But, you know, the, the problem they ran into, so the, the contract itself is for primarily products, Right. Uh, no, no. I'm sorry. No, no. This this one services. No, CS services. Is, yeah. yeah. CS is the the soup competitor. Right. If you right. could call it that. Yeah. 
And uh, they did this for your proposal. You had to self-score on these different, you know, your past performance. Your yeah, the Oasis model. Yeah. And they, they, uh, there, there have been complaints from the beginning that it was skewed towards joint ventures and then it was skewed, you know, hurt small businesses. But this threshold they set, people were arguing that it was just an arbitrary number. And, and it was extraordinarily high. So you had companies that were right at that cusp that they were getting saying, sorry, you're not continuing on. And, and they, you know, people were going to GAO. I mean, it was, like I said, over 300 protests and just now they've, so they, they took a step back and now they've started making, you know, awards again, or moving through that phase one process. What I'm hearing is that there may be people going to court now instead of GAO, um, and they're pretty tight-lipped. They 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 consider it right now that they're still in a source selection process, so they don't really want to talk about about debriefings. They don't want to talk about you know they they say there's no corrective actions being taken. They don't they don't want to talk about any of that. So so we just have to wait and see. But that as far as contract awards, that was the big story of the year. It was just sort of. It's yeah, just kind but, of embarrassing. <laughs> well, let, let's let's flip that because you mentioned another biggie, and that's the T four NG two. What went right with that? Well, you know, I think it's you know, there's a lot of winners on that one as well, but I think it's a little, the scope is a little more, maybe a little more focused. I think CIOSP four is just maybe too broad, mm. um, and T four NG. I think they. You know, in their their selection process, I think they were a little more uh, not forthcoming isn't the right word, but I think they were clearer on what they wanted, and they could articulate that better than having this kind of arbitrary cutoff. Mm-hmm. And they'll be on ramps with that. I knew I know you know on ramps are pretty common now, but I think that that's also a, I think the only contract that really doesn't is soup. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think they were, and I think they were able to document and explain why you didn't get on better. Because I think we only saw one one protest, and obviously resolved because it's out the gates. Yes. (laughs) So, and you know that that's huge. Um, Yeah, I mean, witness, um, you know, the the couple of vehicles that. that GSA wanted to put out for smalls that just, you know, seemed to have died prior to award. Yeah. I, you know, I wonder, cause you know, CISP four is also what's running trouble. There is the small business awards. GSA had trouble with, uh, drawing a blank, but I guess it was Polaris. Polaris was one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's something with the nature of, of small business contract because you have so many, you do have a lot of joint ventures. You know, I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting question to to explore. Sick Ross are enough to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're we're referring to Ross Wilkers, the uh, yeah the other uh, main writer for for Wash Tech, your yeah. your right hand man. You know, another another story from last year that I think is worth noting. And I wrote a little bit about it, but probably not a, enough. Is we had, you know, basically over the last eighteen months, we've had some significant uh, CEO departures. I mean, Roger Crone retired at Lidos. Dave DeKino at Circo retired. Kevin Phillips retired. 
And I think one reason I, I think this is kind of interesting, I think it shows how the, the market has matured and that, you know, all of these people are in their early to mid sixties, you know, and they're retiring. You know, I don't think we're going to see the CEOs continue on into their seventies, like we did with Jack London and George Peterson and Bob Feister. I think that the market has changed. So, you know, Roger uh, Crone, I talked to him when he was leaving, he told me that, you know, that when you get in your sixties, the board starts asking about your retirement plan and your succession planning and things like that, which I think is, is a big change in the market, which, um, you know, and, and even earlier, and I think part of it is that sort of that company culture to have succession as part of your, part of your, uh, uh planning and, and, and just your, the way you operate. I mean, I saw it with Lockheed Martin back in the day with Linda Gooden. She had told me they, she always had to have two people that could replace her if she, if something were to happen or she were to leave, um, the big public companies, I think, are good at it because they have that publicly traded pressure on them. But, you know, the mid-tier, there's still a lot of entrepreneurs driving things. But I think we're starting to see it there, too, just because you have investors who want to make sure they, that everything's not tied to a personality. Right. And and we're going to get into the investors in the next segment. But uh, um I'm here today with Nick Wakeman of Washington Technology. If you're not using WashTech as a primary information source for our market, uh, shame on you. I'm there uh, probably on a daily basis because it, it feeds me a lot of the information about the IT and professional services market that I've been playing in for four decades. And uh, Nick, you're not far behind me there. Uh, that and you can read my column in Washington Technology just about every month. Uh, and I thank you for that, Nick. Um, oh, thank so you. anyway, find Nick on LinkedIn, find Washington Technology at WashingtonTechnology.com. And Nick and I will be back right after this. Welcome back to Tower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Nick Wakeman, Editor-in-Chief of Washington Technology. Nick, we always have a fair amount of M&A activity in our market. So what uh, what's going on here uh, now? What are, the, what are the trends and what are the big deals of this past year? What's going on? Yeah. You know, 2023 was interesting. You know, we, we go back a little bit. 2021 was just huge. I mean, the number, it was almost 200-some deals. Uh, 22, it dropped down to you know 120 130 deals that we tracked and but that's still like you know the average over the years is somewhere in that you know 80 to 100 so we still had a couple years that were way over the historical average 23 i mean i don't have the final count yet we're still kind of putting that together but i think we're going to see 100 plus easily the thing that does stand out from 2023 is the size of the deals. We didn't have huge, huge deals except for one. Most of the deals were in that, you know, anywhere from 50 to $150 million range. Um, but then the biggest deal was uh, Guidehouse was sold uh, for $5.3 billion. So you went from a lot of smaller deals to one really huge deal. Um, but Guidehouse is interesting too because they uh, – 
they were owned by Veritas Capital, private equity, mm -hmm. and they were sold to Bain Capital, another private equity. And that's one thing we've seen a pickup in is more of these private equity to private equity deals. Traditionally, we had seen, you know, it'd be private equity, they build up a company and then they'd sell it to you know, what they call a strategic buyer, you know, a more, you know, an established company. Right. Um, but now we're seeing the trading between the PE companies, which I think is, you know, is interesting. Um, and we'll see more of that. I mean, there's so much, I mean, I know you want to ask about this, but it's just amazing how there's so much private equity in the marketplace. I mean, I think it's 60% or more of the deals are driven by private equity now. Well, then let's, so. let's, let's go there. Why? What, I, I know they're playing a bigger role. Uh, I, weirdly to me enough, uh, I've had some inquiries from PE firms asking me to, you know, fill in some gaps, not, you know, just information gaps, not financial gaps. Yeah. There's been some very successful private equity groups. I mean, Carlisle, mm -hmm. you know, they set sort of, they're the they set the grandfather. Bar. Yeah. They, they set the bar. You know, Veritas Capital. Um, but here, had, let's, let's go back to Carlisle a sec. Okay. The, the, the founders of Carlisle were people who were in our market to begin with. Yeah, and they they brought a ton of institutional knowledge that a lot of the equity firms that I'm seeing don't possess. So they set a high bar, but they had the chops. Yeah, yeah, and they they they've made deals that were in the billions. I mean, um, you know, Veritas Capital is sort of you know on their heels. They 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 their deal size has moved up over the years um their big property right now is paraton which i'm just really curious i you know i've heard people say well you know i think they'll end up going public because they're almost too big for somebody to to buy you know, a strategic to buy now you could see them sell it to veritas could sell them to carlisle or, or something like that but right um you know they're they're a big company but the private equity, I think part of it is you, you, the, there's been a lot of success and, you know, people follow success. Well, if they're doing it, I can do it. The government is a very stable market. They, they pay their bills. There's a, a more uh, um, predictable return on your investment. Now, you do sometimes see, you know, kind of stupid money come in. It'll pay, really, really overpay for something. <laughs> <laughs> And then they sort of fade away when they, that, that deal doesn't work. But, uh, yeah, there's, you know, and, they, and they're, they're very good at investing in, you know, tech that, you know, sort of they, they, they're very good at identifying sort of those hot trends and what the government is buying and, and how to. And they can go in and put together multiple pieces pretty quickly to, to, uh, to create something that they can then sell again so yeah, i, I want to touch on something that we're going to talk about later but when when you said that you know it's it's easy money we can come in and make some i've had a number of inquiries over the last several months from uh vc backed ai rfp companies coming into the market and i look at the people who i mean they may be great data analysts but the people who have put the product together have no background in government, yeah. no background in writing RFPs. And yet 
I have, I'd say at least eight VC backed companies that have called me and, you know, they want my advice. They want my endorsement. They, you know, they want something. Um, They want connections in the market. Um, And, you know, the only answer I have is somebody thinks it's easy money to come in here and do this. (laughs) And you find somebody who's really good at data analytics and they say, look at this proposal thing and build something. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you mentioned VC, we have definitely seen an uptick there. And part of it is that, you know, the government is, is hungry for innovation and shortening that time to take a, take an innovative idea and bring it into production and get it in the hands of end users. That part that getting in the hands of end users is still a struggle that, that, yeah. But, um, so you see sort of, you know, VCs. And one, another thing I find interesting is that many companies now, several companies, you know, Booz Allen, Lockheed, Northrop, um, I think uh, Lidos is doing this. They're starting to set up sort of their own venture capital uh, funds. And they'll go in on with other venture capital to to invest in these sort of startups, with companies with promising technology. And uh, instead of just going and buying them, they're just sort of investing and then they can bring them in on projects. They can, you know, get a, get a first taste of some cutting edge technology. Um, so I think that, that, you know, and again, I think part of it is being driven that the, the government is hungry for that. And then, you know, especially on the defense side, I mean, you have DIU, the defense innovation unit, you have mm-hmm. uh, the air force, you have AppWorks. Yep. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of interest. I mean, almost all the branches have some sort of, you know, we just had an event on Space Force. Space Force has their uh, commercial space office, which is set up to kind of build partnerships with emerging companies and, and commercial companies to get that, that uh, oh gosh, what do they call it? I'm not a big fan of this term, but the dual use technologies that has mm-hmm. a commercial element. Right. And has a government application to it so that uh so there's a lot of interest in investing there so yeah the vc is something to watch well well i mean we've always had the sibbers kind of thing in the tech transfer but but um but you're right i mean i'm i'm seeing more you know in my my annual census of feds on linkedin i dig up all of these offices that have company pages on linkedin and i'm now over 600 company pages for federal civilian dod ic uh and you know it gets very granular down to these little innovation units and they're 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 everywhere uh and not to mention which is almost three million feds on linkedin now that i can find so yeah Yeah, you um, mentioned the cyber and it's something i need to follow up on but you know so with with a small business innovation research, mm-hmm. is I think that's what CERN right. stands for. Yeah, you know, they have that phase one and phase two. Phase three is supposed to be sort of moving into production, and they have a hard time getting to phase three. There are a couple of companies that are really good at it, um, and most do most don't seem to get out of one. Yeah, um, you know, GSA at one time was talking about creating a, a vehicle that was specifically like. You do your phase one and two, and then we'll put you on this vehicle, and you can market yourself. You know, I don't. I don't want to make a comment on that. (laughs) (laughs) 
but it just hasn't taken off. It's uh, let's let's slow down the process and get GSA yeah. involved. There, I said it. <laughs> oh God, um, I'm yeah. going to get in trouble one of these days. Uh, <laughs> the question is, do I care? Uh, yeah. Um. All right, let's just take a break <laughs> before I get in more trouble. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Nick Wakeman. Uh, if if you do not know Nick, shame on you. I mean, uh, he's one of the greatest people to talk to about this market, and he's a hell of a nice guy. Uh, Nick and I will return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Nick Wakeman, uh, editor in chief of Wash Tech, good friend, longtime friend. And uh, and uh, we're going to move into key elements for growth in GovCon. You guys do, you know, like the Fast 50, the Top 100. And one of the sh- shows that you or Ross, I think you guys did it together, was parsing the growth of, of you know, what's going on here. So share share your knowledge there. What are the key elements for a company to grow in our market? I think, you know, first off, it's focus. It's sort of knowing, knowing who you are and what you're good at and knowing your, you know, your customer, particularly, particularly for small businesses, the ones that seem to be the most successful have a focus on like a handful of customers and a, and a focus on a certain set of capabilities that they know they can drive deep into that customer. And then from there, they kind of expand out. But that that core focus is where they really uh, start. Um, so I think that's, that's a key element. And again, it's, you know, so cliched, but just staying with that customer and understanding the mission and, and trying to anticipate, you know, coming to them with solutions, not coming to them with, uh, you know, Hey, what do you need? You should already know what they need and come to them with like, Hey, I know you're struggling with this. Let's, let's do a pilot. Let's, let's try this solution kind of thing. So that's, I think, the biggest key to success, particularly for small companies. What's always impressed me about the large companies when you get to the top 100 is their ability uh, to adapt because those are big ships and the whole cliche about how long it takes to turn turn an aircraft carrier thing. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's remarkable to me how, how well they do that. You know, yeah. and, and there's so many, you know, you know we should probably – should talk about artificial intelligence, how that's kind of disrupting the market, but it's able to <laughs> seize on those things. <laughs> it 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 is, but what's I want I want to back up a second because you you said sure. you know, fo- focus for a company on the market. Uh, if if this is a peripheral market for you, you you know, um, let, let's take a company like Zscaler. Uh, huge commercial presence, but a very strong and growing government presence. Uh, And they have a public sector division uh, that's stood up a few years back and they're doing really well. Um, I monitor them because I have several friends that work there, but, you know, hiring the right people, bringing in talent uh, and focusing if, if, and they aren't small, but for a small company, the next thing you said was focus on the customer. Well, I, I've been saying for years that if 
if you are a small, focus on one, take your beachhead and develop it into a front, but dominate as much work as you can at that agency before you move on. You've uh, seen me write about research management uh, concepts down in Southern Maryland, focus on Navy. They focus not only on Navy, but on NAWCAD. And they've grown from literally a two or three person company in the early 90s to almost a 500 person, maybe more than 500 now, uh, focused primarily but no longer exclusively on NAWCAD because now they're into NYWIC as well. Uh, But but significant growth, significant profitability going back to, you know, our other chats, the profitability is is there. Um, And, uh, you know, we know the Navy's not going to spend less money. Kevin Cooley damn well knows the Navy's not going (laughs) to spend less money. He just has to figure out, you know, and here's the other thing. They stay in their swim lane. They do RDT and E cloud and cyber. Boom. That's it. Um, you know, they'll bring in other people if they need different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I I completely agree. You know, when you mentioned Zscaler, that's another, uh, you know, I think the key for those commercial companies getting, you know, especially the larger ones is patience to know that, you know, Hey, we're going to set up this office. We're going to start, you know, working and know that they may not see a return for a year or more. Yeah. Um, It's not going to happen overnight. You know, you you have to hire the right people and you have to, you know, trust them. So I guess they they really need, (laughs) yeah, they need buy-in from the top and understands like be able, you need to be able to market to your corporate, you know, level like, Hey, this is going to take time. We're looking at this. We see, you know, this growth and, and, Hope that they don't just expect some turnaround in six months kind of thing. Yeah. They they had a very successful first public sector summit last year. They just recently announced they're doing another one in April. And their CEO, Jay, I can't remember his last name, was thrilled with the first one. But yeah. the other thing they did, they invested in the FedRAMP process. So yes. they are fully compliant across the board in FedRAMP and now state ramp. And for a company like that, I mean, those are the keys to the treasury. Yeah. And I think those kinds of things also will help them on their commercial side. They could say, hey, you know, we've gone through, you know, because security and, uh, you know, issues aren't. They aren't limited. (laughs) Yeah, they're not limited. Yeah. If if you're, you know, go back to Capital One, if if your client is a bank, would they be interested in a company that has been totally vetted by the federal government for yeah. zero trust? <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, God. So um, any any other things spring to mind? I mean, you know, elements for growth. I, I, I did a, a, a spoof column. I don't know if you actually published it or if I just did it on LinkedIn. But, you know, how to break into the top 100. One, buy one of the top 10. Um, <laughs> but that's that's what we were talking about with the M&A. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's probably the quickest way to get on the top 100. But I think, you know, what I saw, especially, it's, it's interesting looking at the Fast 50 and looking at the top 100. I mean, this, the size difference is huge, of course. But you do see across the board sort of, 
you know, uh, you know, companies that are, you know, again, getting back to focus that are looking at cyber, looking at cloud, IT modernization, you know, digital transformation. Those are all big, you know, buzzwords, but they, they encompass a, a, a broad set of skills. So there, but there's, when it's broad like that, as a small, especially you can find those niches where you can come in and, and specialize and be that, that go-to partner for a big, who can't, as big as they are, they can't do everything. Right. Um, and so we've really seen, uh, and again, you know, AI is just going to be huge across the board for everybody. Um, but, and we're seeing increasingly sort of that tying of product to services. I'm still kind of trying to get my head around it, but where you might have some intellectual, you know, some IP or you're, you know, uh, you know, able to come in with a, with a proprietary solution and wrap, you know, the services around it kind of thing. We're seeing that more, particularly, you know, if you're looking at certain tools and certain on the Intel space, especially. Oh yeah. And, and we don't even get to hear all of the cool stuff that's going on yeah. there and nor <laughs> do I want to uh, quick yeah. aside. I, I spoke to a group of CEOs that, uh, and these are small and mids that do business at Fort Meade. And they invited me in to talk about marketing. <laughs> and oh, my, wow. my first comment to them was, you know, everything I tell everybody else, you can't do. And I'm not sure why I'm here. <laughs> so <laughs> it's such oh, yeah. a relationship driven yeah. universe. Uh, and if you don't have those relationships, you're not playing. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about, uh, the resource, I'm drawing a blank on the resource, resource management uh, concepts. Yes. Resource yeah. management concepts. You know, they have that beachhead. And so you're really strong in, in that office or that, that unit. Pax River, leave. man, they own it. <laughs> yeah. You know, somebody will leave and get assigned somewhere else. Well, you keep that relationship going. That's another, you know, in, you know, they can, that can work for you. So yeah. Relationships and, really are key. Yeah. They're not based in DC they're not far out of DC but it's illustrative of especially where there is a, a significant military unit you can grow a very significant business predicated on what that unit it does yeah right and there's right. probably other examples of that around the country yeah uh Okay, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. When Nick and I come back, we will we talk about the impact of what will probably be a year-long CR uh, if <laughs> if we indeed make it to the end of the year yeah. without a budget. Uh, anyway, we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with my friend, editor in chief of Washington Technology, Nick Wakeman. Uh, Nick, again, thanks for coming in, man. Uh, even though it's remote, it. where you know I get to see you on screen. We we have this uh, well annual conundrum, continuing yeah. CR, but um, I've never seen a Congress more contentious more likely to throw a hissy fit and uh, um, put us into a shutdown than the, the one we have at present. Doesn't matter what side of the venture on it. It, you know, it's simply a fact. So what's the impact of a year long CR, any CR on the contracting community? 
and the government. Well, yeah, I think that the biggest thing is the lack of of new starts, of new projects. I think everything just stays stagnant. There's also the, the problem, and it depends how they write the CR, that it could be, you know, the equivalent of some significant cuts of several, you know, if you factor in, you know, inflation and then you say, okay, we're going to do, you know, across the board 3% cut, well, then you end up with 6% cut. So I think that the CR just going to bog things down and, you know, the industry will weather it. I mean, cause we've, we've been there before, but it's just, I, I the thing that, that, that worries me, it's sort of like an opportunity cost. Like we're missing, there's so many, so many problems out there, so many issues that we need to focus on. Um, and this just hurts making any, you know, any forward mo- movement. I mean, you've yeah, got, not, not just you the know. internal structure of the government. We have right. Taiwan, we have Israel, we have Ukraine, we've got the border. Well, you know, and, and, you know, I would throw climate change in there and, and then it's our ability to to maintain our competitiveness. It hurts that because we're not going to be investing the way we should be in, you know, whether it's chips or AI or mm-hmm. cybersecurity. It's, it's, you know, and, you know, our adversaries, are, they're just loving it. I mean, it's just. Oh, God. You know, yeah. They're looking at this function and saying, well, how, you know, how is America the, the model for the rest of the world? You know, they wake up laughing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really. It yeah. is a sad state. Of, but, you know, we, we deal with CRs every year. I can't remember. I think it was the mid-90s when we passed the budget on time last. Yeah. Um, so we're we're talking decades now. And technically, Congress is mandated to give us a budget every year. Yeah. Um, so fire them all. Let's start over. That's... <laughs> I wish we could. <laughs> Uh, All right. So uh, let's finish on a positive note here. Uh, We have a national defense industrial strategy, and I don't know enough about it. So fill in the blanks. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is the first time they've done this. I mean, there's been the national defense strategy, which focuses more on what DOD should do. But this one's really focused on industry and how, you know, to, to, create a more sustainable, stable uh, industrial base. And this strategy, I think it focuses in on, on, on four key things, uh, supply chains, workforce, flexible acquisition, and then economic deterrence. The economic deterrence part, I'm still trying to figure out, I guess it's, it's I guess creating, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I need to get my head more around that. But the other, the other three are things that we've talked about a lot. I mean, uh, COVID, I think, revealed a lot of weaknesses in the supply chain. So I think this is sort of pushing on that. Uh, workforce is a big issue across the board. And, of course, flexible acquisition, which is where I've kind of, when I've looked at this, I've spent most of my time thinking about is, is again, how do you get innovation into the hands of the end users more quickly? Um, and how do you, you know, they talk a lot about what they're calling non-traditional government contractors, which are these tech startups or commercial mm-hmm. companies. How do you, how do you get, you know, get them in and, and start to, uh, you know, get the benefits of sort of the commercial 
infrastructure and commercial uh, uh, innovation. So I, I think it's really a great thing. I mean, they, they are coming out in March with a, an implementation plan, which apparently will be classified, but there will, there should be some sort of public version of it so that, you know, they can say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're this year, I think I'll probably more pay more attention to the, uh, National Defense Authorization Act, which they pass every year, because I think we'll see elements of that in in here. But I think it's really kind of cool. I think it it's it's a long term view. I mean, we're not going to see like you know a big impact maybe this year, but I think if they follow through on these things, and that's a big question, it, it will have a fundamental impact on the on the marketplace. Yeah the 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 fact that they came out, and I don't want to like date myself for anything but eisenhower when he was president came out with a speech really establishing the defense industry infrastructure and the necessity for it because of the cold war and um i mean it was a big tv speech they they interrupted you know the evening news the game shows whatever to put ike on all three networks. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Different world, yeah, this man. Is, you know, this, this, uh, but I think it's, it's a long-term play and I think it's going to take sustained leadership to kind of keep pushing on it. Other, I mean, there is that risk that it's just going to end up in a binder on a shelf and collecting dust, but I really hope not because I think that focus on the, on non-traditional players, on lowering that barrier to entry, um, you know, there probably we probably do need some action on the hill, but you know, we'll see that come through like the NDAA kind of thing. That's that's right. where that. But there's a lot that DoD can do now, as far as setting their priorities and and kind of pushing it from the top down. Say, hey, it's okay. You don't have to, you know there's room in the far to do a lot of different things. And people have talked about that for a long time, but they, uh, it's just sort of that sustained leadership to make it okay. And that's the other thing about this too. There's nothing in this that really should have surprised anybody, but to have it all together in one place, I think, you know, increases the focus on trying to fix these things. Right. And giving it some adult supervision and a little bit of budget would help. And I think, you know, yes, Maybe you'll see uh, associations like NDIA and AFCIA step up and push the idea forward a little harder. Yeah. Uh, cool. Any final thoughts, my friend? Um, well, actually, one last thing on this, just to make a shameless plug. Sure. We do have an event coming up uh, February 16th where we're going to dive into the industrial strategy. So stay tuned for more on that. Um, Will do. And then, yeah, just, you know, final other final thought, just – you know, it's an election year. Try to stay positive and hopefully we'll get a budget of some form or, or another. So That that would be nice. Uh, yeah. Nick, thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate it. Podcasting is not my day job. I operate at the intersection of thought leadership content and LinkedIn, helping companies and individuals build subject matter expert positions in the federal market to build stronger pipelines. If you want to discuss this, drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com or send me an email through LinkedIn. And please share this podcast with people who will benefit. 
and like it on the podcast platform of your choice. And finally, thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.